we all have uh, we all have stuff, right? We all have those things in our lives that lives that that hangs over us that feels like a weight that we have to carry. It feels like that enemy that just will not go away that we cannot defeat um, just keeps coming back at us and is just over overwhelms us, right? And so not to be a Debbie Downer, but if you're at a point in your life and you're like, I, I have no idea what you're talking about. I can't relate to that at all. Um, there will come a point, right? Don't tune me out because there will come a point, unfortunately, where that will be, that will be true. Um, scripture tells us, Jesus tells us, in this world you will have trouble. Paul, the author of most of the New Testament, talks about the trials that we have to face. James, the brother of Jesus, tells us that we'll have trials of many kinds. And that's the reality of this life that we have. Maybe, maybe you're sitting here this morning and you have a loved one in the path of a hurricane. Maybe you have a spouse who is a workaholic and out of control kids and a mortgage payment that's overdue. Maybe you have addiction issues. Maybe you're here this morning and you are just lonely and bored, and that loneliness and boredom is only broken up by occasional panic attacks. Maybe, maybe you're on the cusp of starting something new that just feels like this mountain that you have to climb, whether it's a new job or a new school year or a new relationship, whatever, whatever it might be. I mean, I could go on and on and on, right? And, and I don't want us to get all down. But the fact of the matter is, is that we all have stuff in our lives. And um, there are those of us who, how shall I say this, um, don't like to ask for help for whatever reason, um, won't ask for help. And before several of you start rolling your eyes at me, yes, I'm preaching to myself here now. So um, over the course of the last couple years, I've been brought to a position where I had to ask for help. So please take it from the voice of experience. Um, ask for help now, right, before you get into that position where you have your back against the wall and you have to, you have to ask for help. Sorry, but I digress. I haven't even gotten started and I'm digressing. All right, here we go. Focus. Um, so the, the best, the single best way that I am aware of to face the hardships and the struggles and the trials of life is by keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, by looking up. It's a huge part of our vision here at Crossroads, and the, the, the shorthand for our vision is look up, lean in, and reach out. And we look up to Jesus for love and kindness and mercy and forgiveness and his grace. And we lean in to each other for support and encouragement and challenge. And then we reach out to those who are poor in resources and poor in spirit around us. So this morning, I felt like it was a, a time where we're, we were actually in the middle of a teaching series on the Gospel of Matthew, and we're just going to push pause on that. And um, we're going to push pause, and we're going to recalibrate, and we're going to refix our eyes on Jesus corporately. And we're going to do that through the words of an Old Testament psalm. We're going to look at Psalm 91. Now, the book of Psalms is right smack dab in the middle of the Bible. It's the longest book in the Bible. It's 150 chapters. It was written by um, poets, prophets, kings, worship leaders, and it's just um, 
chapter after chapter after chapter of feeling and emotion and hearts being poured out. There are, there are poems and songs of thanksgiving and praise. There are just, just gut-wrenching cries for help. Uh, there are just these soul-bearing confessions of, man, I screwed up, Jesus. I need you. Please don't, please don't leave me. Any, any emotion or feeling or situation that you might be faced with, you're going to find somebody who faced it in, in the book of Psalms, and you're going to find them crying out to God, whether it's in celebration or in, in asking, asking for help. So we're going to jump in here, and we're going to read uh, Psalm 91. It is, that's what I want you to not forget. If you don't remember anything else before we read Psalm 91, um, your problems are not a sign of how God feels about you. Your problems are a sign of what he wants to do through you, for you, and in you. Right, so as Ben was praying earlier, he was praying about sometimes our circumstances can lie to us and make us feel like God is not for us. Nothing could be further from the truth. The, the problems that you face, the difficulties that you encounter, they're not an indication of how God feels about you. They're an indication of what God wants to do for you and in you and, and through you. Psalm 91 Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say the Lord is my refuge and you make the most high, <clears throat> sorry, you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. The, um, you know, can we bring the, the shades down just so we can maybe make the, the images up on the, the screen a little, um, little more visible? So as we, as we look through this psalm, I'm going to suggest to you that the, the psalm basically communicates four different things to us in 16 or so verses. The first one is who God is. The second one is the troubles that we face. The third one is the, um, the security or the, the protection that God offers us. And the, the last one is how we access that, that protection. And so we're going we're gonna to start with God. In the first two verses, there are four different names for God that, that are listed. Um, Most High, Almighty, Lord, and God. Most High, it's, uh, in, the, in the Old Testament specifically, all the different names of God are meant to reveal a different aspect of, of his character. And Most High talks about God being first in size, first in priority, um, God being the one who can hold the universe in the, in the palm of his hand. Almighty talks about God as the creator, 
and the provider and the meter, the, the one who meets every one of our needs. In some translations, it, uh, the term El Shaddai is, is used. Um, the next one that's listed in there is, is Lord. And that speaks of God's eternal character, right? He's unchanging. He's completely self-sufficient, something that's so hard for us to get our minds around. And finally, the last name used in those first two verses is God, which might be my, my favorite one, not for just its simplicity, but for what it reveals about him. In the original language, that word for God means that God is sovereign. God is in control, right? The phrase that I use when I talk about God's sovereignty is nothing surprises God, right? God doesn't take coffee breaks. Nothing sneaks up on him. He doesn't like, ooh, wow, that was Okay, let's start over. No, that's not how God works, right? He is 100% in control. Now, what, what I'm about to say, I feel like I should say, maybe I probably will say, every single week. I, I want us as a community, I want us as individuals to get into this positive feedback loop. God, God of the universe, the God expressed in the Bible, getting to know him is the single most important thing that any one of us can do, and as a community, that we can also do. We do that, God gave us the Bible by reading the Bible, by studying the Bible, by meditating on the Bible, by getting together and discussing, uh, discussing upon the Bible. And then, as those words of truth begin to sink in, we recognize God and his work and his movement all around us when we go throughout life. And as we experience him, we get to know him even better. Right? That's why the, the English language is so insufficient in some ways. We have the one word, no. In many other languages, there's lots of different variations of no. Like you know somebody, kind of, you have information. Then you know somebody at like a, at like a, a heart level. Um, and so, and then once, once we experience him and we know him, like, Oh, I, want, I want to know more about him. So we pick up the Bible and we learn more. And as we learn more, we recognize more. And as we recognize more, we experience more. And then we want to read more, so we learn more. It's, if you're going to get stuck in a feedback loop, that's the one you want to get stuck in. Right? We want to get to know God more and more. Um, our, man, there's just, like, my brain is all over the place. The, um, the images that are up here behind me, I said the Psalms are written by poets, right? And I, I think much better visually. When I look at words, great. So I was, I, I was trying to come up with images that went along with each of these. So we talk about, the first verse talks about being in the shadow, resting in the shadow of the Almighty. Those are redwoods. I don't know if you can see like the little teeny tiny car off in the, in the, um, the corner over there, right? resting in the shadow of the Almighty. I actually, I had to look up the word rampart. I didn't know what a rampart was. It says, his faithfulness will be a shield and a rampart to you. A rampart is, basically, it's another shield, but bigger. Right? It's these huge stone walls around, around a castle that are meant to keep the bad guys out and protect those who are, who's are with, those within it. Underneath... Um, the Lord's wings, right? He'll give you, he'll cover you with his feathers. Underneath his wings, you'll find, you'll find refuge. That's a picture of a mother hen. And I don't know if you can make it out, but all those little legs underneath it, right, are her, her little, 
her little chicks. Um, and so that's just like the covering that, that God provides for us. And I was thinking about this, and it didn't really occur to me, like, there's, like, that's standing still, right? But there's also um, motion. God covers us when we're in motion, when we're going out. And um, I thought this was just a really cool, uh, can you hit play on that, Ian? Right, so there, there was room, there was room for everybody, and there was, they were covered, they were protected, and they were moving with the mom, and that's how, that's what God, what God offers to us, and so we think about those four names for God, and everything that he is to us, and all that he can do, and he can offer, um, just so, some images to kind of put some of the things around that. Then there's the, the, uh, the troubles that we, that we face talked about getting caught in, a, in the fowler's snare, right? A fowler is a bird, a bird catcher. And the way this thing works is that they stretch out this net between sticks and the, the mesh is kind of so fine on it that the birds don't see it and they fly into it and they get all, they get all wrapped up, kind of like a bug in a, in a spider's web. And that is the kind of the trouble that we can, we can get ourselves into as we're traveling along. Maybe there are those people that for whatever reason have a problem with us, and they would intentionally throw that snare up, right? Unfortunately, that's true, that we, there are just some relationships that are like that. And then, um, like, sometimes our, we get mixed up in stuff like that with our friends, right? None of, us go, none of us go looking for drama or conflict. Well, I shouldn't say none of us. There are a handful of people who are, <laughs> like, they go looking for that, but, um, and they're just, we're going about our business, and we find ourselves caught up in this snare, right? So we have the, the trouble that we face from um, just from other people. Then there's the troubles that we face. I was trying to think of the, the right term for this, but just like meeting our basic needs, right? Having a roof over our heads or having um, putting food on the table or clothes on our back or our physical health or our mental health. Those, those are the kind of things that can feel overwhelming Right? And can scare us and can just feel like we cannot ever get out from underneath them. And then there's the, um, the spiritual stuff. That the psalm talks of the terror of the night. Like I don't know, you know, some of you guys are closer to this than others, but remember back to when you were a kid and just the dark just scared the bejeebers out of you. And I, I mean, I, growing up, I think I've said this over the course of time, in one of the houses that we lived in, the entrance to the attic was in my bedroom. And I did not like that. So my big solution was I took a piece of masking tape and I taped the door shut. So that was, that was, that was what was going to protect me in case anything came out of that attic, that little piece of, piece of masking tape. Um, but so the terror of the night is, is 
symbolic of the fact that there's a, a spiritual element to the things that scare us and the things that we have to face and the things that overwhelm us. When we align ourselves with Jesus Christ, we align ourselves against his enemy, Satan. Now, I'm not sure where all of you are at when it comes to things like spiritual warfare, but from what I've studied and from what I've experienced, there is a spiritual realm that we cannot see. It is very real, and we have a very real enemy, and his job is to get us to neglect, deny, ignore, stay as far away from Jesus as we can. And he does not play fair. He's a coward. He will attack our weakest points, whether that's our kids or our habits or our thought life, whatever, whatever it is. And when you think about the terror of the night, that's kind of what the idea that the psalmist was trying to portray, just that, that dark side of, of life that, that exists. But we have the answer to that, right? The answer is, is found in Jesus. And as we, as we move ahead and we look at, um, as we look at these things, we talk about the protections that God has to offer us. And they come in a, they come in a couple of different ways. The first one, um, we hear words like uh, refuge and fortress and shield and rampart. And you, you kind of feel yourself almost like grunting, like those are like manly kind of protective, protective things, things that uh, God offers us the strength and the ability to do for us what we cannot do on our own. When I was in, when I was in college, uh, one of the many jobs that I had was I worked for a cleaning service here uh, over like Christmas break. We came home and I lived in the area and me and my buddy would go into, right, I'm going to date myself, go into restaurants like Fitzwillie's after they closed and we would clean Fitzwillie's. Um, and the guy who was our boss would sit at the bar and smoke a joint while we were while we were cleaning. And we worked and we worked and we worked like three, four a.m. We would we would go home and I did this for an entire an entire break. Never I didn't get paid. And so I would call the guy a couple times and I called him more and I'm back at school and you know in Lancaster and still nothing nothing nothing. I didn't know what else to do. Uh, so I called my dad. I said, Dad, I worked for this guy for four weeks, worked hard, did what I was supposed to do, and he didn't pay me. He's like, well, did you, I mean, yeah, I called him, I tried to get in touch with him, not returning my calls, nothing. He's like, okay. 15 minutes later, my phone rings, it's my dad. The check is in the mail. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right, that's the kind of thing, God steps in and does those things for us that we can't do on our own. Um, and practically speaking, it, it looks um, a lot like, so many of you are aware that I had eye surgery back in the middle of May, and I was severely limited in what I could do physically. So my buddies, Nate George and Matthew George, would show up here early every Sunday and yell at me <laughs> while they were moving, bit like, dude, you're not supposed to pick that up. Your eye's going to fall out. Don't do that. <laughs> and so they would they would do it for me. And they just, they moved bins and carts and chairs and all kinds of stuff when I couldn't do it myself. Um, and then, so that's really kind of practical. And I would say that that's more how God provides that kind of assistance. But then, like I said, this is a supernatural thing. Um, maybe the single hardest moment of my life, um, God reached into my life and he gave me like, this doesn't happen to me very often. He gave me a vision of what it was that I was supposed to be fighting for. And 
And in that vision, he explained to me why, like, why all hell was breaking loose around me and why it felt like my world was falling apart around me and what it was I was supposed to be doing. And I can't, I can't explain it. I can't tell you how it happened. I didn't ask for it. It was in the a, in a middle of a moment that it just, it just happened. And it gave me what I needed to move forward and to move on and to do what I had to do. Um, God provides protection um, in, we hear, we see words like uh, shelter and shadow and feather and, and wings, right? So that, that makes us think of uh, more nurturing and encouraging and persevering and enduring. Um, God allows us to do, he encourages us to do those things th that we have to do uh, on our own and we have to power through. Like it feels like we can't take another step, but it's that encouragement to take that next step. It's, um, it's kind of like the, the protective kind of mama bear deal. Um, we were at Universal Studios, so, some of you guys know this story, several years ago. And my son, like one of the main reasons we were at Universal Studios was so the boys could get Harry Potter wands. <laughs> so we did the whole thing. And we went to Ollivander's wand shop and we went and waited in the three hour line and the wand picked Jared and just like it was supposed to. Um, <laughs> it's, it's not just like, if, if you're not familiar with Harry Potter, it's not going to a concession stand saying, I'd like that wand. It is a to-do and it's a long to-do. So everybody got their wands and everybody was happy and we're leaving and no joke, like we go through the turnstile, step out, wand drops, <laughs> shatters. Mama Bear is there, <laughs> turns, grabs the nearest person with the uni universal shirt. I, I mean, literally, like grabs. Said, we came here from Connecticut, we waited three hours in line, the wand broke, do something. <laughs> right? So. I, I did, I'm not sure if this is exactly the wording, but walkie-talkie comes up. Uh, we have a code red at the main gate. <laughs> so they, like, hustle us back to Ollivander's wand shop, cut the three-hour line, got the same exact wand, got us right back out as quickly as they could. <laughs> I don't know if they have great customer service or Gail just terrified them. I'm not sure <laughs> which, which one that was. But um, that's, I think that's another kind of, variety of the of the protection that um that god offers and i you know i, I was gonna as i think back over our life and our time here at crossroads um there would be far too many names and examples to to list and i i, I wouldn't want to try to do that because i wouldn't want to forget anybody but so it's the idea of of being in a situation where just one more thing is layered on and you feel like how, how are we going to do this? And you sit across the table from somebody for like the seventh dinner and they're just letting you just gush and, and tell them what's going on. And they don't, they don't judge you. They don't tell you, really, again? Can we just move on from this? And they just meet you in, in the midst of that. Or it's continued texts and prayers and emails and just reminders that God is for us. Right? That's practically what that, what that kind of help from God looks like. And again, there's a supernatural side to this. So I described kind of the supernatural side to the other piece as being like the, the single hardest moment. When I, when I was at my lowest, 
um, when I had done things that I never thought I would ever do, and I, you know, you hear the term people hit rock bottom. When I hit rock bottom, Jesus, through his Holy Spirit, met me in the middle of it. And I, I swear to you, I had this sensation of being held, right? This was after my senior year in college. I had just finished playing college football. I was like 50 pounds heavier than I am now. I had the sensation of being held. That El Shaddai, that provider, the, meet, the one that meets every need. And it was like, you're going to take the next step. You can do this. I'm with you. Time to, time to move on. And I did because of what God was doing in me and how he was speaking to me. So there's that, there's that the refuge and fortress and, and the strength and giving us the power to do things, doing things for us. And then there's that the encouragement and the perseverance and the protection of, uh, of um, helping us move forward when we can't. And then the psalm references angels, right? Another layer of this, this supernatural protection. Now, without getting really deep into this, angels are spiritual beings. They really do exist. They are God's warrior helpers. And the Bible tells us that angels do things um, like when people are in the process of coming to figure out who Jesus is, the angels are involved in that process. When God answers prayers, sometimes the answers to those prayers funnel through angels, and angels do God's work in that way. When people are in distress or in danger, angels bring comfort and reassurance. When people are in the process of dying, angels meet them in the, in the midst of that. Angels are God's warrior helpers who come to us in, in our, our need. All right, so who God is, the troubles that we face, the, um, the types of protection that God offers to us, and the, um, how do we access, right? So how do we access this protection of this amazing God? Dwelling in the Lord and telling of his great love are what keep us secure. Now, let's, let's unpack that a little bit. So this idea of dwelling, right, is um, similar words are remain, abide, stay. All of, the, all of the language for the forms of protection in this psalm is really interesting. All, you either have to be really, really close or inside, right? For shelter to work, you have to be inside. To, to be relieved from heat, you have to be in a shadow. To be, for a, a baby chick, to be protected by its mother has to be underneath its its wing and really really close like close enough to feel the mother's heartbeat kind of thing so if we want to access this this protection from god we have got to be in jesus right so jesus the the psalm describes meeting people in their moment of, of need. That's what Jesus did, right? Jesus stepped out of eternity and into time, and he met us, humanity, in our greatest need. And he lived a perfect life, and he died an innocent death, and then he beat death, and he triumphantly rose, right? And when we come to the point where we 
accept those things, when we believe those things about Jesus, we want to live our life dedicated to those things, that's when we enter into Christ. Christ opens up that door to the shelter and welcomes us in. And then we have to stay in that shelter. So here's um, the idea. In John chapter 15, it's a pretty famous passage that talks about the vine dresser and the vines. Um, it says, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. Now, let's be really, really clear and specific. This does not mean that um, our, our ability to follow rules is what makes us right with God. That is not what this means. What this means is as we grow in love for Jesus, our desire to obey him grows, right? Just like I don't, I, I wash dishes. I take Gail out for dinner. I do things for her, not because I'm obliged to, but because I want to, because I love her and I want to express that to her. And as we grow in love with Jesus, our level of obedience grows, right? So that's one way that we stay in that shelter. The other one is this, is that though all of God's commands are meant for our good, right? That's how we stay in God's protection, by, by listening to him, by reading his word, getting to know him, experiencing him, right? But all of the commands... Sex within the confines of, of marriage is for our good. Don't gossip. It's for our good. Look out for those who are poor in spirit, poor in resources. Our good. God's commands are for our good. That's where true security, true protection, true freedom is found, is within those commands. That's how we dwell in the shelter of the Almighty. We grow in our obedience by falling in love with Jesus, and we stay in, in his commands. Uh, dwelling and telling, right? So telling is the second part of this. The, the psalm says, um, because he loves me, I will, I will rescue him. Or I will, I will say, the Lord is my refuge and my fortress. Right? It's, the, the psalmist is, is encouraging us, is talking about his verbal expression of how he feels about God. And I think there are two there are two ways that this happens right there's a point in time way and then there's the ongoing and in a couple weeks we're going to celebrate the the point in time way and that's baptism you see marie you're up there um we talk about baptism baptism as being a the water was cold um we talk about baptism as as being uh, a public declaration of of our repentance uh, and of our desire to follow Jesus as best we can for the, for the rest of, of our lives. So that's kind of like the point in time. That's, baptism is not an ending. Baptism is the, is the beginning. It's, you don't, we, don't, um, we don't get ourselves all cleaned up and then, and then get baptized. Baptism is, is a symbolic step where those of us who believe in the things that Jesus says and does, and the things that he still does and will do, did in the past, um, and we commit our lives to that, that's, we take that step of baptism. And then as we grow in love and obedience, Jesus continues to shape us and change us and transform us into the people that he created us to be. The ongoing piece is to live a life of worship. 
right? And we define worship around here as responding to the greatness and glory of God in thought, in word, in deed, together, corporately, and individually. So as you get up tomorrow morning and that alarm goes off and you're making breakfast, you're doing that for Jesus. It's a response to what he, who he is and what he's done for you. As you're driving to work in traffic, as you're sitting in that first meeting, as you're calling that first client, as you're getting off to school, as you're getting kids off to school, as you're having coffee, as you're talking to your neighbor, as you're doing laundry, our everyday waking is supposed to be a response to who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And that's living a life of worship. And that is um, how we continue to tell. We dwell in him, we stay in him, and then we tell of his great love for us. The last thing I want to mention, we started with the character of God, right? The four names for God in the first two verses. And I, I've spent most of the summer looking at this psalm and studying it and reading it. And this is the verse that just kept coming back to me, coming back to me, coming back to me. His faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. God's character is perfect. He is eternal. He's bigger than anything that you could get your mind around. He is more powerful than anything we know. He is completely sovereign. He has all knowledge. He has all wisdom. He has access to all resources. And that is at our disposal if we would stay in him. And then this verse reminds us that even when we choose to step outside that shelter into the, into the storm, into the wet, into the cold, that when we turn around, the door is still open. And the protection is still there. And the faithfulness calls us back. Even that, that step, that turning around, that's not us. That's the Holy Spirit tapping us on the shoulder saying, hey, it's cold out there. It's nice and warm in here. Come back. Even, even that is the call of God on our lives. So um, I, uh, I, I want, my hope is in the next couple of minutes that we all, as individuals, as a community, can just, can enjoy who God is. To, to think about the, all the different facets of his character that we just talked about, all the different avenues of protection that he, that he offers us. As we think about moving ahead into the school year, into fall, into the Christmas holidays, and, and through the winter, that we can do so confidently. That's my hope. Here is, here's my confidence. My confidence is this, is that the word of God does not change, and it is constant, and it is reliable, and you can turn to it again and again and again. And when the feeling of, of enjoyment, of the protection and the presence and the awesomeness of God fades, God's word will not. You turn to Psalm 91 and you read it and you meditate on it and you bury it in your brain and you hide it in your heart and you turn it over and over and over and you remind yourself that God is your shield and your rampart. He is your refuge and your fortress. He will not only protect you, but he will embolden you to move forward and trample on the serpent and the great lion. 
and that, that is how we stay in God's security. God's faithfulness calls us to him again and again and again, and we stay in the shadow of the Almighty, and he gives us his protection. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are so good. You, um, you, you met us in our greatest need and conquered the, the sin that, that rules in our lives. You, you offer us protection and shelter. You offer us uh, advance and, and warmth and comfort and the strength and encouragement and perseverance. 16 verses and, and just so, so much about you, Jesus, and about who you are and what you want to do for us and how you want us to live. God, we're, we're grateful for you. We're grateful for your character, for your protection. We're grateful for your word that we can return to time and again that helps us to keep our eyes fixed on you and moving forward and continuing to become the people that you created us to be. We love you, Jesus. Amen.